There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Be delighted this holiday season at Ice and Lights, the winter village at Cameron Run. Just minutes from Old Town Alexandria. Stroll through the park and enjoy winter photo ops, light displays, hot chocolate, and a warm treat. The winter village offers playtime for the entire family. Extend the magic of the holidays by visiting early, starting November 17th. Get your tickets now at CameronIceandLights.com. That's CameronIceandLights.com. Faith together is gonna be one of those words. Let's join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Campuses, hallelujah. Amen. Let's say it together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith, and faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word. This word, shout it, I am. (laughs) Go to Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16. It's going to be one of those words. Uh That's why I brought my fighting vest, because I... Matthew 16, verse 17, you got it? Jesus answered and said to him, him is Peter, or Cephas, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Uh, Say this, this was that Jesus was the Christ. He was the Moshiach. He was the Messiah. He says, flesh and blood, a man didn't reveal to you that I am God in the flesh but my father who is in heaven, 18. And also I say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, now the rock isn't Peter. A lot of times people think that Peter, Peter is the rock because Jesus changed his name to be a rock, but Peter is not the rock because to make a man the rock would make the church corruptible. So he didn't make a man the rock. He made himself the rock. So he says on this rock, what's the rock? The rock is the revelation that he is the Christ. Got it? It says, on this revelation, I will build me church. <laughs> now, I, I, I flipped the personal pronoun there referring to you. No, he didn't say he was building your church or what you want. He said he's building his church. <laughs> and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. What is the it? His church. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose, whatever you allow in earth, I'm going to allow that in heaven. Father, you hear me. You always hear me. As I share this word over these next few moments, I pray, God, that you'd help us realize one simple fact. It is not about us. It has never been about us. It's always been about you building your glorious church. 
And I pray that as I share this word, that every self-centered, selfish believer that's listening to me would turn the focus off of themselves and realize it's not about them and turn their fingers from looking at themselves but put their eyes on Jesus. And we thank you for it now and forever in Jesus' name. Shout hallelujah. As you take your seats, high five somebody everywhere at every campus. Say it's not about us, not about us, not about us, not about us. Uh, you can be seated. It's going to be one of those words. Uh, your life, let me, let me make a commercial announcement to you, is not about you. I know your three favorite people are me, myself, and I. But your life is not about you. Let, let me take it another further. Nor has it ever been. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God brought you here so you could use your life and your experiences to help somebody else. If you feel like you are a bump on a log or like you're living without purpose, it's because you're selfish and self-centered. And every time you try to look and find something in you, you keep running and chasing your own tail. It's going to be one of those words. Now, it's not about us. Say that. Now, now, watch this. So if your life's not about you, then church is not about you. Nor has it ever been. Yet we live in a very narcissistic society that tells us everything is about how we want to feel, how we like this, how we like that. Well, you know, I couldn't really get into worship because they didn't sing my song. We, we have been taught, our culture teaches us, it's about us. And if it feels good, do it. And, and do whatever you want to do. And matter of fact, do it until you're satisfied. Say, it's not about us. Now, 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 and now watch this. It's his church. Now, let's just do this real quickly. What is the church? The church is not a building. It has never been a building. The church has always been the believers of Jesus Christ. Ecclesia is the word, and it means those that have been called out. The day you became a believer in Jesus Christ, you became the church. So now check this revelation out. You aren't about you. Let me talk to this side of the church because I've been hearing more talking over here. If you're the church and church not about you, then you're not about you. Okay, let's try Let's try over here. I'm an equal opportunity. Jesus says, on this rock, I will build you. <laughs> and you're my you. <laughs> let, me, let me help you. God says, on this rock, I'll build my church. Since we are the church, Jesus says, I will build you. But don't you ever get it twisted. You belong to me, Jesus says. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is why he tells you, don't worry like the heathen do for what am I going to eat tomorrow and what's going to happen with this and what about the economy? He says, only heathen do that because they're not mine and I'm not responsible for building them. But since you're my church, I'm responsible for building you, which means if you're sitting up worried, you forgot who your owner is. On this rock, I will build my church. Who's the church? We are. So on this revelation, he builds us. 
we belong to him. I love the song that says, I'm a friend of God. The only problem I have with it is that sometimes it gives the connotation that you're his equal. And I want to be very clear. The scripture's clear. You are a servant. Particularly, the scripture calls us bond servants. Now, bond servant was a servant or a slave that was released and could be free, but they chose to serve him. Now, the real riddle of it is, and the real enigma is that, how does one choose that which they only know? If you only know A, how is it that you chose A because you didn't even know there was a B to choose? So you're not really a servant by choice. Matter of fact, Jesus says, don't you ever get it twisted. You didn't choose me. I chose you. So bond servant isn't quite applicable in the totality of the description of the word. Now, 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 he, he says, you, the church, we belong to him. We're not his equal. We are his servants. Our job is to do what he says to do. Okay. It's going to be one of them words. I'm, I'm just, okay, okay, so y'all still here. Now watch this. The church is the most potent force on the planet. There is nothing more powerful on the earth or in the earth than the church. The government is not more powerful than the church. Wall Street is not more powerful than the church. I can't get nobody to say nothing. Your employer is not more powerful than the church. The folk you walk around trying to impress that you don't even know, they are not more powerful than the church. The church is the most potent force on the planet. Now, who, who is the church? We are the church. Therefore, we are the most potent force on the planet. Potent, what does that mean? We're the strongest force. Let me say it another way. We pack the strongest punch than any other thing that can be named. Touch your neighbor and say, that's us. Now, 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 now watch that. Uh, the church is the most potent, for, a potent force on the planet because of one thing that we do. And that is we reveal and manifest the kingdom. Now, now I haven't been in kingdom teaching for a while, so some of you this is review, for some of you this is brand new. Now watch this. The church is not the kingdom. Most people say, oh, just the kingdom of God. They think of the church. That's not the same thing. The church is part of the kingdom. It's not the kingdom. The kingdom is heaven's attributes on earth. It is God's M.O., his modus operandi, how he does what he does, when he does what he does, how he does it. Got it? We reveal heaven's attributes on earth, and we manifest heaven's attributes on earth. Nobody else can do that. So for everybody waiting on the government to come up with some magical plan, they can't. Because they have not been given that assignment. It is the church's job to manifest heaven on earth. I'm not dying to get over there. I'm living so I can bring over there down here. What sense would it make for him to save you from hell to make you live in hell? It make no sense. Crazy. It's a doctrine of demons. Now, now listen, 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 listen. 
The kingdom is heaven's attributes on earth. Now, in the kingdom, there, there are seven components to the kingdom. Y'all remember? Come on, let's be a good class. Come on. It is arts and entertainment. Spirituality. Let, let's say them one more again for the neighbor that's trying to write the notes down because they don't know this. They don't know this. Okay, you ready? Let's say it together. Arts and entertainment, business, education, family, government, media, and spirituality. The church is the spirituality part because there's not many ways to God. There is one. You got it? Now, our job is to manifest heaven on earth in all of those arenas. Okay? Which means if you're in business, you're not just there to be a closet Christian. You are there to manifest only what we can manifest, which is the kingdom. And some folk are wondering, well, why won't God open another door for another job for me? Because he says to you, you have not yet completed your assignment at your current job. Therefore, I am not assigning you to somewhere new so you can go there and sit up and complain about everything too. Say amen, because I'm feeling a little apostolic tonight. It might happen. Are you here? Now, what other place can you get healed, delivered, set free, get therapy, get equipped, get built, get corrected and counseled all in one place? Nowhere but the church. Now, the church has been compared to, to a hospital in times past, and, and I think that's partially true. The problem I have with comparing it to a hospital or even a rehabilitation clinic is that once you get well, you leave. Uh, you don't stay in the hospital all day. Once you get well, you, you, you go. Rehabilitation clinic, in the name, it's inherent what they're trying to do. They're trying to rehabilitate rather than crucify. And, and that's the problem for some Christians is they try to train Adam rather than kill him. Adam, Bishop, who is Adam? Adam is your own nature, the you that cuss, act up, act crazy, went over here, went to the clubs, did this, did that, all that. That you, you can't rehabilitate him. He's crazy. And the moment you think you've tamed him, he'll pop out in the middle of the night having all kind of crazy thoughts. You cannot tame him. You must do what Paul said. I got to crucify him. I got to kill him daily. Can't tame him. You can't rehabilitate him. He is crazy. Jeremiah tells you how crazy he is. He says, the heart, the heart of who? Adam is deceitfully wicked. Above all other things, who can know it? So, so to everybody who says, well, I just know I'm a good person. The Bible says you don't know that. Adam may have told you that you are, so now you convince yourself that you are because you had a three-way conversation with yourself. But no, 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 no. The Bible says you don't even have the ability to discern that. I just love the Lord. Oh, okay, well, let's see that love when it's tested. Because can you love them when you ain't got no money in the bank? Do you love them when you're walking? Do you love them when folk are talking about you? Do you love them when you don't know which way is up and which way is down? Don't you tell me you love them until your life has been tested. Deceitfully wicked, deceitfully, deceitful. It's a trickster. It's slick. It's a shyster. It's from the south side of Memphis. It's somebody you got to watch out for. Adam will try to sell you ice at the ice uh, at the North Pole. 
Adam will sell you oxygen in the middle of the Rockies. Adam will sell you water at the water fountain. He's crazy. So the church is more than a rehabilitation clinic. It is. It's an equipping center. And, and it is those things. But you understand my point. It, it, it is those things, but it's so much more. It is an equipping center for you to be transformed. So then you can transform. Transformed people transform people. Changed people change people. Hurting people hurt people. Lying people lie to people. Cheating people cheat people. So this is why so many times people will look at Christians and say, well, I can't believe they did this. Aren't they supposed to be a Christian? No, they are rehabilitating Adam, and there's a difference. See, a Christian means I've put Adam on the cross. I let him die with Jesus, and then now I'm carrying my cross everywhere with me. There's a difference. There's a difference. And so, so what I want to do is just call you into a level of maturity. Can I do that? Can, I, can we do that in this worship experience? Can I call you to a level of maturity? Because until you mature, you're going to read about a lot of great things God can't do for you. Because while he loves you and he'll love you no matter what, he can't trust you with favor until you've been proven faithful. He's not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to be faithful, which means when I do make a mistake, I get right back up and say, I ain't got no time to be missing church. I ain't got no time to be having no pity party. I ain't got no time to go get no tissues and all that. I need to get right back up. Don't write this man fall. Watch him get right back up. That's your neighbor say, get back up. No, 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 no. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. The greatest enemy of the church is not Satan. Uh, I've often said that if we said for a whole week pastors couldn't talk about the devil, most pastors wouldn't have nothing to say. That's just truth. It's fun to have an enemy that you can blame for everything you did. I'm calling us to maturity. It's fun to say the devil made me do it. It's fun to say that old devil, that old devil. I have this thing. I have this thing where, if I'm, where, where I, I'm, I'm very competitive. I'm very competitive, and, and I like to win. You know, somebody told me, a young kid told me the other day, he said, Bishop, uh, uh, it's not all about winning. <laughs> and I said, well, bless your heart. It's just mostly about winning. You're right. It's not all about winning, just mostly. Okay, now, now listen, I, I, I like to win. Anything I do, I want to win. Because okay? the book tells me he always makes me to triumph. So then everything I do, I want to win. You understand? Now, now, uh, uh, now, 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 watch this. It's fun to have an enemy that you can blame for everything. And so sometimes if, if I'm losing on something, then I'm like, oh, man, how did I mess up on this? It, you know, it's a game or whatever or something or, or whatever, P90X or whatever, you know. I, I, I'll just say that devil. Now, I'm saying it jokingly. Because I know the devil was me not wanting to get up and do what I needed to do. So it's fun for Christians to be, oh, that devil was on my track. No. The book says in Colossians, God has disarmed him. The only power he has is the power to talk. 
He doesn't know what you're thinking. He doesn't know anything about you until you open your mouth. That's why the scripture says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Isn't that something God doesn't even say it's in his hands? He says it's in the power of your mouth. Because when you open your mouth and begin to say things that Satan takes a hold of, anything you say can and will be used against you. Now, Satan's been defeated, period. However you want to visualize that. He's under your feet. Where are you? That's not where he's at, literally. He's, he's in heaven accusing you in front of God. So people, the devil's at my feet. Actually, by technicality, he's not. But whatever you need to visualize to see him defeated, you can see him locked up. You can see him at the electric chair. You can see him in the bottom of the ocean. However you need to see him so that you know he's not running nothing, you see him that way. So if you need to stomp your feet and say the devil's in my then you if you need to clap your hands, you know, in the sanctified church, you clap your hands. And every time you clap your hands, you, you're beating the devil's head. Not really. But, you know, if that's what you need to think to see him defeated, go for it. Okay? Listen to what Jesus says. On this rock, Revelation, I'm Jesus. I will build whose church? His church. My church, he says. Look at what he tells you the enemy is. And the gates of hell, not Satan, nor hell, but the gates. <laughs> okay, let me talk this side of the church because y'all seem to shout better over here. The enemy of the church is not the devil. It is the gates of hell. Now you mean, Bishop, Bishop, what do you mean? What do you mean the gates? What do you mean the gates? Well, what do gates do? Real simple. Gates Keep people in and keep people out. What are the gates of hell? Self-centered believers. You keep change out and add them in. It's going to be one of those teachings. Now, Satan's not the enemy of the church. The gates of hell. gates of hell. Gates keep people out and they keep things in. He says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So in this, he is painting a contrast to show that the enemy to the church isn't the devil. It's the gates. The gates for you and I translate to being self-centered believers. We don't allow any change in. We just want to manage misery. And, 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 and you know what's crazy is that we don't do it here, but the body of Christ at large is, is, is it, the gates keep the saints in. And they won't let nobody else don't, don't look like a saint in. Because somehow the saints that's in are better than the saints that's outside of the gate. The reason the church was so close to the gates is because we're supposed to be snatching folks from getting behind the gates. Are you here? No, 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 no. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's, it's interesting when you talk about the church because, because it becomes difficult to be the army we're supposed to be because all of the soldiers want to complain about flesh wounds. So it becomes a nursery rather than a boot camp. 
So, so, so rather than making progress and maturing, we're sitting back talking about stuff that ain't got nothing to do with nothing because the gates have prevailed because it's all about me, church. I didn't like the way so-and-so said this. And got real quiet. Say amen for they bring that other little pulpit out and I come down here. All right. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I just feel, feel what? I just, well, I know, I know I was asked to do this, but I just feel, I don't feel led. I'll tell you what, tell you what, tell you what. Let's go to Walgreens and get you some number two pencils and write on your hand so you can feel led. Since when did his church become about you? Let let me give you a perfect example because you'll get this one. When you go to your job, they love you and they love all of what you got to say. But I guarantee you, this is your job description. This is the time we need you to do it. This is how we need you to do it. If you can't comply with that, it's a thousand other folk right out there that's so then why does it come to church then that it all becomes about me? Not about me at your job. You may have a problem with your boss, but you sit right there and you sit your little self in your cubicle and you bite your tongue because you ain't going to walk up to your boss and open your mouth and lose your job. So why then do you think you can do that to his church? be one of those teachings people who think church is all about them normally fall into one of four categories normally one of four categories and 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 the first is the me church person these are people that are noisy wagons you know noisy wagons uh, they make a lot of noise because there's nothing in the wagon but the wagon that's got something in it typically doesn't make noise Mr. What's the point? Let me make it real clear so you don't leave with no ambiguity. Uh, noisy wagon, me church people, they do a lot of complaining, but they don't actually do anything else. My question to you is who's here because of you? Who's saved because of you? Whose life has been changed because of you? When we handle God's business, he handles our business. So, so here's my question. If he's not handling your business because you're not handling his business, then who's handling yours? How many CDs did you buy and not put in your own CD player but go and give to somebody? What ministry do you serve in? Or are you just sitting here to get a blessing? When are you going to mature and start being the blessing? It's going to be one of those teachings. This whole front row, get up about five minutes and just run and just we'll start something and we'll just, you know. If you're watching on the internet campus, don't don't you take your finger off that mouse. I'm talking to you with the brown suit on. I call your name, but it's too many people watching. Now, 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 watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Me, church, it's about me, about me. They didn't do this for me. Didn't nobody say this for me. Why didn't I get this? I'll tell you why. Because God knew exactly what it would take to push you into change. 
It's not about you. Lay your hands on your heart and say it one time for your holy mind. It's not about me. Say it. Second kind of person that, that typically falls into this, uh, into this uh, self-centered Christianity who think church and life is all about them. Here's what I call them. I call them know-nothing know-it-alls. K-N-O-W, nothing. K-N-O-W, it-alls. Know-nothing, know-it-alls. These are people that have convinced themselves of the superiority and intellectuality, yet they know nothing. They heard three Greek words, and now they're an expert on the Bible. They've been saved for two years, and now they got the answer for all the problems at the church. They watch one TV preacher who they think because they're on TV, that means God has approved them. That just means they got the money to pay for the airtime. I'm not hating because we are too. I'm just trying to get you to understand If it doesn't line up with the word, I don't care who's saying it. I don't care how many people the camera flashes and shows you. If it don't line up with the word, you've been bewitched. Bamboozled. Sold a bill of goods. You've been hoodwinked. (laughs) Say amen. You come to church. Of course, you are the church, but when we come together, we call that church. So if somebody says, what did you do on Sunday? I went to church. Really what you're saying is I went to who we are. <laughs> but but that's the nomenclature we use. You come to search, church to discover God's truth, not to see if what I say lines up with your truth. No, you know, you don't come here. So that you can say everything he said, I believe. Then that means I'm not doing something right. I'm supposed to stretch you to a place to where something new is introduced to you that challenges what you thought you knew. That's called growth. See, if all we're going to do is come together and have a shouting party, you know, and all this and all, and everybody turn around three times and you're getting ready to come out and all that. If that's all we're going to do, you can do that at the house. We can put a DVD together like a workout video, and we can do that at the house, you know. You can pop it in in the morning. Hey, man, get ready, get ready. You're coming out, you're coming out. Turn around, turn around. Okay, you can do that at your house. Got it? Too many Christians subject the Bible to their personal interpretation rather than subjecting their personal interpretation to the Bible. You don't want to be that way. It would be that way because Jesus, 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 Jesus even says in Matthew 10, 24, what student is greater than the teacher? Matter of fact, he makes it very plain, plain rather. He says no student is greater than the teacher. My challenge every time I take the microphone is to stretch you. You know you're a growing Christian when you got stretch marks. If your spiritual body is all put together and all this kind of thing, then something ain't right. You ought to have spiritual stretch marks. 
You don't want to be a know-nothing know-it-all that thinks they know everything there is to know because they went online and, and, and saw one little website that they didn't even care enough to make it a real website. They got it on one of them free services. Okay, y'all ain't going to say nothing. And they read something about the tithe being Old Testament. And so, okay, you don't want to be a know-nothing know-it-all. Don't be that way. Because you don't like people like that. Don't you hate when you're trying to tell somebody something? And they are convinced that they know everything. So you're, try, you're saying, listen, I did that five years ago. I'm trying to tell you. No, I'm trying to say, okay, but then do it. Fine. You don't want to be that way. That's why the scripture says knowledge, if it's not checked properly, can puff one up. It can make one think more highly of himself than another. But then the third kind of person, y'all all right? is fruitless fruit inspectors. These are all of the self-appointed judges in church that believe it is their responsibility to identify all of the specks in everyone else's eyes because sinned have they not. They have ascended to the high holy hill of the mount of the Lord and their responsibility is to inspect your fruit. They're careful not to say they're judging. They just say they're inspecting your fruit. But upon closer examination, when you look at their fruit, there is none. Now listen, now listen, now listen, now listen, now listen. You don't want to be a fruitless fruit inspector. Jesus says in Matthew 7, why is it that you look at the speck in your brother's eye but do not consider the plank in your own eye? So let me ask you this. Since you're not perfect, where do you get off? These are the sin police officers. And they want to make sure everyone is complying with the ordinances of the Lord God Jehovah. So they're the humility police officers. So and so must think such and such. Hmm. Say amen to that. I told you it was going to be one of those teachings. Amen. I'll shout you real good in a minute. Okay. They, 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 they want to know, well, who are they with? I see a wedding ring, but I don't see no... Bu- well, you know, I heard. That's an indication that you're ignorant because you didn't say, I know. (laughs) Anybody can hear anything, but what do you know? Fruitless fruit inspectors. Look at everybody else's stuff. But I'm just trying to say, well, I'm just trying to say. So what ends up happening is, is everybody then tries to put on fruit rather than have fruit. And that's not how we do it here. I can't speak for nobody else's house. But as for me and my house, his by ownership, mine by stewardship, yours by membership. We don't want to be fruitless fruit inspectors. 
You, you've been in places like that where everybody, you, you know, and, and, you, and you walk in, you walk in compensating. You walk in, somebody say, oh, that's a nice car. Ooh, well, you know, I just, remember, uh, let me tell you, I didn't get the deal I wanted, but, you know, I, but, you know, I just been through a bankruptcy, and then my husband this and this and this, and then, and then. Why? Because you're used to putting on fruit. And you get an empty square or, or an empty circle, and you put some red paint on it and call it an apple. Rather than just producing the fruit. That's, that's, not, that's not kingdom. Kingdom is we produce the fruit, not put up artificial fruit so we can compensate for things because some fruitless fruit inspector is looking for your fruit. So then the fourth kind of person. <laughs> y'all was shouting earlier. I mean, y'all, y'all. I'll just turned on me. Are the Pharisees and Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, separatists and self-righteous? Separatists and self-righteous. These are the people that ignore the Great Commission, uh, but they got something to say about everything else. Separatists. I didn't invite them to church because they just didn't look like, you know, separatists. They didn't look the part to you. Oh, jeez. Thanks, thanks, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The kingdom is inclusive of everybody. So we should be exclusive of nobody. Because I didn't, I, I, but they dealing with this, and so I didn't. And so what? So the church is the place of transformation. You don't get yourself right out there so you can come in here. You come in here so you can be right out there. That's why Jesus says, "Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and if you got issues, what better place to come than the transformation center, the greatest force on the planet, the Church of the Living Jesus Christ?" You want to be separatist, and then you don't want to be self-righteous. There's different groups in the body of Christ that believe because they believe the way they believe. They're the only ones that believe right. Please say amen to that. Amen. Then I can leave that alone. Those are me church folks. Pharisees, Sadducees, uh, uh, fruitless fruit inspectors, know-nothing know-it-alls, and, uh, and me church, noisy wagons. So, so then the question becomes, Bishop, okay, good. We, we know we shouldn't be like those folks. So then who then should we be like? Wonderful question, wonderful question. I'll give you his name. His name is Gideon. Gideon's his name. Gideon, Gideon's his name. Uh, Gideon, 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 you, you know the story in Judges. Where God raises up Gideon to be a deliverer for the children of Israel. The book of Judges is a very unique book because the children of Israel keep repeating cycles year after year after year. And it's quite, it's quite interesting, the fact that they could do the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again and then expect a different result. That is, in fact, the definition of insanity, to do the same thing over again. So here's how it would go. God, God, God would give them years of prosperity and peace and favor, and then all of a sudden it got too easy. 
That's why God knows just when to put an enemy in front of you. Because sometimes when things are too easy, sometimes it's easy to get off of the path. And so, and so, and so it became too easy for them. Just living the good life was too easy. They had that Adam problem. They tried to manage him rather than kill him. And so what happens is he played them because what would happen is then they would fall into sin. God would give them opportunity to repent years and years. I'm not talking about a few days. Come on, you got until Tuesday. No, he'd give them years and years and years to repent and they would not change. Now remember, repenting is different than apologizing. Apologizing says, oops, 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 I did it again. Apologizing says that. But repenting says, oops, I did it, but I'm not going to do it again because I'm going to put some things in place to help me stop. And if I do find myself in it again, it won't be the same level I was in it before because I've matured. So then now, so then now, they would not repent. They would not change. They would not change directions. And so God would allow, matter of fact, the scripture says, God would raise up an oppressor. One of the oppressor's name was the Midianites. And God raised them up and said, now I want you to go, and I want you to go take everything that they have. Take everything. Take all of their crops. Don't leave them with nothing because apparently they've been taking my blessing for granted. Apparently they've been taking my favor for granted. Apparently they think I... I owe them something, so let me make it clear that I don't owe anybody any, anything. I will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So he raises up an oppressor, and then they get oppressed, and then you know what they did? They cried out. And aren't you glad that even when you make a mistake, God still lets you cry out? Everybody in here has had a moment where you've been like the children of Israel, but God still lets you call out. And when they would cry out, God would raise up a judge, hence the term judges. He would raise up a deliverer that would bring them out of the captivity that, frankly, they placed themselves in. And so now we find Gideon right there in Judges, and we see Gideon, and Gideon is an interesting man because he has a holy frustration. He was not satisfied with what was going on. He wasn't satisfied with church as usual. He wasn't satisfied with the condition of his people. He wasn't satisfied with the condition of his city. And so he asked God, he says, God, where are all the great things I've heard about? I heard about the Red Sea, but God, we facing a Red Sea. He says, I, I've heard about how you fed us from with bread from heaven, but Lord, we need some bread from heaven. I, I heard about how you gave us water out of a rock, but I don't want to hear about how great you are. I want to see her. Are there any people in the place that say, God, I don't just want to read it on the pages of a Bible, but I want to see how great you are. I want to experience how great you are. Be seated. So, so Gideon says, God, I want to see it. I'm tired of reading it. I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of people telling me this and that and how thousands, this and that, and millions came out and one night out of bondage in Egypt. I want to see it for myself. And what I love about Gideon is God starts him out with this huge army. And God begins to dwindle the army down because he says, you have too many people, lest you should say you got the victory on your own. God knows how to get you in just the predicament where only he is the answer. Because remember, let's connect some dots, class. He's building his church. You are his church. So he never wants you to get the credit for fixing your own stuff. He knows just what to do and just what wall to back you up to, to where he's the only way out. Anybody facing some situations where only God. Now watch. Now watch. He says, he says, I got to dwindle your army down. You got too many folk with you. 
Get to ones that will lap up water like dogs. Get to ones that aren't so self-centered that if you got to walk the streets all night, they'll walk them with you. That if you got to clean the building all day, they'll clean it with you. Whatever it takes, give me some whatever it takes for. See, I've learned the power of unity. I've learned that it ain't about number, but it's about unity. And if I can get a few folk with unity, I can shake a city. We can shake a nation. We can change the world. And God says to Gideon, Gideon. He says, Gideon. He says, he says, Gideon, Gideon. I'm going to use you to manifest what you've been asking me for. Now, now he says, Gideon, I'm going to bring y'all out with a strong hand. And I'm going to use you in this small army that I've dwindled down to be the deliverance. Now, 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 check this out. Gideon was radical. He was on fire. And he did whatever it took. You know why some saints don't see great lives? Because they're unwilling to do whatever it takes. They don't have a by any means necessary mentality. They have a by whatever means keep me comfortable mentality. And as long as you stay in your comfort zone, you will live in mediocrity. But I think there's some people in the house today that are saying, I've lived my last average day. I've lived my last mediocre day. Now check out Gideon's name. Watch this. Now, if you don't shout off this, I'm going to give you a moment to come to Jesus in just a moment. Say, Bishop, Bishop. what does Gideon's nameth meaneth? Sound real deep when you talk King James English. Gideon's name means, watch this, let my enemies plead. Literally, it means let Baal plead. Baal was the enemy to God. He says, and to God's people rather, he says, let my enemies plead. Now, let me tell you what kind of Christian you need to be. Not a meat church, not a fruitless fruit inspector, not, not, not any of those things. You need to be a Gideon to where when Satan sees you, he starts pleading with God that you'd be out of his way. I just need to know, because I'm through, if there are few people in the house that say, I'm not running from no devil. The devil, when he sees me, is going to start pleading that I get them out the way. It's not about us. But I'm so radical about the God I serve. That when the enemy sees me coming, he pleads that I leave him alone. When lack sees you coming, it starts pleading that you get out the way. When poverty sees you coming, it starts pleading. When the generational curses in your bloodline see you coming, they start saying, oh God, we got to get out the way because here come that so-and-so. Here come that praying man. Here come that praying woman. And if we don't get out the way, please, please. All the Gideons stand, all the meat church sit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I think some Gideons ought to just let out some praise. 
I think some Gideons ought to just let out some worship. I think some Gideons ought to just let it out tonight. I think some Gideons ought to just shout in the house tonight. Not about us. Not about us. Not about us. Next time you feel tempted to complain, remind yourself it's not about you. Next time you find yourself tempted to get all crazy acting, remind yourself it's not about you. The next time you find yourself wanting to say something crazy to somebody in the world, remind yourself it's not not, not, not about us. Father, Father, you hear me and you always hear me. We thank you for this word. We thank you that you're building your church. You're building us. And those gates, you made us a promise, cannot prevail. They're going to try, but they can't prevail. I said they can't prevail. I said they can't prevail. Father, forgive us for being self-centered. Forgive us for being selfish. Forgive us for losing sight of why you saved us. It's not about us. But, but tomorrow you're going to place some people in front of us that we're going to have the opportunity to dramatically change their lives. And if we're so focused on ourselves, we'll miss that moment. When you feel the temptation to let somebody have it because of what they did, remind us that it's not about us. If you're here and you don't know Jesus with your head bowed and your eyes closed. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? Over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.